Craft Beer Radio, episode 281, on March 15th, 2014. Oh, it's Pi Day, everybody. Well, it's the day after Pi Day. Uh, <laughs> I just did a search to see if that was there, and there it was. So, sorry, everybody, for reminding you of the, the song Friday. Friday song. But uh, I figured it had to be there. Anyway, on to the show. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio. My name is Greg Weiss. Jeff Bear. We are doing sours for the most part today, right? Yeah, it looks like we ended up with a fridge full of um, kind of sour beers. So might as well drink some of them. I'm gonna start with the one that's not sour, but it is Asian wine barrels. So we got some additional flavor. Uh, Heather picked this one up at Giant Eagle a couple about a month ago, I'd say maybe a little over a month ago. This is Red Thunder from Victory Brewing Company. It says here malt beverage aged in wine barrels. Malted with imported two-row German malts, hopped with whole-flower German hops. Alcohol by volume eight point five percent. It is a limited release in 750-milliliter Cajun cork bottles and also available on draft a Baltic Thunder Porter. Right. So Baltic Thunder is the the Baltic Porter that they brewed with right. Tom Baker, mm-hmm. the Prukuno's Hammer remake from mm-hmm. Heavyweight. And uh, actually, I wasn't sure until I just read the back of this label while Greg was talking that this was indeed... Uh, the Baltic Thunder put in wine barrels. So, you know what? I did actually, uh, speaking of, of last week's episode, I did, I did a little bit of research on those hops, the uh, Brewer's Gold, because okay. we were like, hmm, isn't that weird that it has a, uh, that it says it has a current aroma and or flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, indeed, that is one of the aspects of yeah. Brewer's Gold. Uh, but, the reason why you don't find Brewer's Gold very often is because they, it turns out the Brewer's Gold was used to, it, it turned into a very nice yielding hop that led to very high alpha acid hops. So out of Brewer's Gold came Centennial, Nugget, some other hops that, that you know of. So that's why you don't see Brewer's Gold as much as you see those other ones. I see. Interesting stuff. So this beer is... Uh, pretty dark not totally super black it's got brown highlights and uh, mm-hmm. you can sort of see a little bit through it it's it's a little cold i think let me take a look at the temperature here yeah we pulled them out before the pre-show so they've been out on the desk yeah, for about 50 minutes now 54 still a little bit cold for me but yeah 54 would be ideal celery yeah. Temperatures for those. You wrap them a little bit, wrap our hands around the glasses, put some more heat into it. The aroma that I got, you know, I was expecting to smell wine barrels. I might have forced myself to smell something that was a little oaky and barely. But while I'm not sure about the first part, and I'll come back to that, it did then flow into, you know, a, a portery. You got a little bit of... Um, I'm going to take another sniff here. Yeah, I can smell something wine barrel-y, but again, would I have picked that out if you Mm -hmm. didn't tell me there were wine barrels? I don't know. Yeah, actually, now I've warmed up a little bit. The oak's really coming out a lot more, I think. It's a little uh, woody and vanilla, Yeah, right? Yeah, I was going to say there's a vanilla note. uh, And there's that slight... um, I would say sort of tannic, but just kind of on... On the vague of turpentine, what you get with, you know, with oak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's oaky. It's, I was 
struggling to figure out how to better describe it. It's not really maple syrup. You know, it's not maple yeah. syrup. It's not barky. It's not birchy. It's it's oaky, right? You said turpentine. I, I see what you're saying. I mean that that's such a a potent noxious aroma, right? Yeah, that it's yeah. really hard to it's, a... it's really hard to say. Oh yeah, it's turpentiney like oak. You know, it's kind of. I mean, if, if you cut fresh oak, there's mm-hmm. going to be an aroma in there that will remind you something of turpentine. Uh, it's not going to smell as powerful mm-hmm. as turpentine. It's going to have a lot of other chemicals it, it yeah. smells that will make it smell a lot more fruity, but that note will be there and that note is also coming out here it's not bad mm-hmm. it's just it's it's part of a melange of different aromas that are coming out right. of the beer and then later in the aroma you start getting to the the baltic thunder you know the porter part of it and let's see if i can talk specifically about that a little bit yeah so once you get Bear past cocoa yeah once you get past the the vanilla it does you get a little more roasty bitter cocoa is a good call there um. Yeah, it's I don't know. I'm <laughs> putting words to that now. It's a little uh, malty, a little sort of malted milk, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I could go with that. It smells nice. I'm gonna go into the flavor here. has a really woody flavor up mm-hmm. front. You know, it doesn't really taste like... There's there's some nuance from the grape tannins, red wine type stuff. It is red wine? Really, I was wondering that, yeah. what kind of wine it is. Yeah. Well, they call it Red Thunder, so I would hope it would be red wine bottles, and White Thunder would be white wine or something like that. Mm. But, you know, maybe I'm just putting too much into a name. <laughs> um, so it does have a little bit of tanniky, but really it, it tastes almost like like fresh American oak, right? It's a really woody flavor up front. Um, and that really drives through almost the entire flavor of the beer. Like, um, I'm not saying the porter isn't, uh, isn't there, but from the first sip, you know, the oak just really dominates in the entire taste on that first sip. It is pretty strong. It has that... It, it again, it has that cut oak mm-hmm. kind of flavor, just freshly cut, and the same mm-hmm. aromas that you would get off that. You're tasting the equivalent of that in uh, in the flavor. If anything, on the second sip, I got a little more of the grape tannin type flavor. Uh, the porter's not any more present. I think as I get used to it, I think the porter will come in. Yeah, but you know. Because those other flavors are such a shock to the system, that's what you're tasting in the first couple of sips. It's coming with with a big bit of uh, astringency too, but without some of the raisiny character mm-hmm. you might expect. Yeah, it's a Baltic porter typically, yeah. right? So it's typically not so much on the roasty side, but you get more of those raisins, a little mm-hmm. bit of soy sauce, you know, a little boozy. It's. Uh, believe they ferment this with uh, lager yeast. I'm not positive, though. They don't say on the website. Don't give you much info. It does say on the back label that it indeed used red wine. Um, There's lots of different types of red wine, though. You know, (laughs) It's, Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where, at this point, just saying red wine is not giving the whole story. I'd like to know what grapes are used. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's a mile marker, right? I mean, we recently had the one from uh, Nebraska Brewing, the Melange. Melange et Trois, right? Which had um, white wine barrels, right? Gave a very different character, right? Yeah. This one gives you a lot more of those grape tannins. You know, the more I drink it, the more that's coming out. It's it's definitely a wine drinker's beer, if you would say, right? You get a lot of a lot of flavors they're used mm-hmm. to, right? A lot of flavors that they're comfortable with and familiar with. You get a lot of that. I don't know. I, I, I don't I'm know not saying I it, I'm not saying it's all wine. I'm just saying. There's things they're very familiar with coming off the front of this beer, I think. Maybe the oak's a little too much. I don't know. I I don't think that a wine drinker would take this and say, oh, yeah, I can really pick up lots of wine flavors. I mean, I I think there are are flavors in Mm -hmm. there that if they were really experienced, they could pick up. But but they would have to be experienced at picking out flavors through beer as well. And Mm -hmm. not a lot of pure wine drinkers have that. You're, You're probably right. I mean, it's like I can. I'm not a reg. I'm not a huge wine drinker, but because of the experience I've had with beer, I can pick out different flavors mm-hmm. in, in wine. But I'm not nearly as good as somebody who's drank wine, you know, for eight mm-hmm. nine years and on the level we've drank beer. So, I think that this is not a beer you want to just give it to a wine drinker. Say, yeah, th- you'll like this mm-hmm. because th- there's too much going on here. There's too much that's still in in the beer spectrum. To be oh this you know this is something like a like a frambose or something might be more palatable to them. It's interesting. I'm finding that the all the oak all the oak and um, and tannic characters that's coming on this beer. I'm trying to think of what it's reminding me of. It's reminding me of. Um, Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Are you in, I, I are you in a range? I, mean, uh, I was thinking it's it's is it another beer? Is it a different? Is it a, a fruit? It's almost you know, it, it's weird because it, it it's a pleasant flavor in this beer, but it, it's it's often a flaw in other things, right? Where it's almost like a slight um, a slight um, acetone type flavor or something like that okay. coming off of the beer. Um, it has that kind of. I'm going to use the word sweet, but you know, like when you get that kind of like fusel alcohol thing, how like it, it's kind of, I, I can it's kind see of like, a little bit like where you're going. Where it's, it's kind of setting off some of those sweet receptors instead of the bitter receptors or something like that. You know, that's kind of what's happening. Yeah. And you get some of that same kind of taste sensations happening. Right. In this beer. It, it's definitely activating flavors you don't normally get when you're drinking a beer like this. So, your mm-hmm. your tongue we talked about this on on the pre-show but when you have uh you know, a flavor is a combination of taste and smell it's this melange that, that occurs in your brain and it, it it puts together these things when they're when they're speaking different languages your brain puts them together in an interesting way and, and sometimes reinforces mm-hmm. one strongly right. over another flavor and i think right. that's what's happening here is that you don't expect these flavors to go together, so they feel a little bit separate. Yeah. They, they, every time I take a sip, it's almost telling me a different story, yeah. too. Like the last sip. So in the pre-show, we had some of the leftovers from last week. We had some of the uh, Heavy Seas uh, Siren Noir, right, which was an Imperial Stout in bourbon barrels. And this last sip I took, 
that even the leftovers because we had it stopped from last week was delicious in the pre-show mm-hmm. and the last sip i took reminded me more of that beer right i was getting less of the grapes more of the oak and then i was actually getting some more of the roast from the beer right so those were two components that were very prominent in the pre-show beer The the wine is coming at me more now that it's warmed up and that it uh, I've had some time to get used to the flavor. If I were to pick a wine, it, it you know, it's probably a simple Merlot. I don't think it's, uh, you know, it isn't. It's not striking me as complex like a Pinot or like a Cabernet Sauvignon or something like that. But uh, but I wouldn't know for sure. It's. Like Jeff said, kind of a general grapiness that's coming through. And, uh... Oh, uh, see, I, actually, I had a great talk with uh, the cider maker. I forget his name at, at Rebellion Cider Works um, on Thursday night. And uh, it, it made me a little self-conscious because he is a traditional um, cider maker, you know, English cider uh, or, um, you know, colonial type cider maker. And he doesn't think ciders should taste apple-y. Mm-hmm. Um, cider is cider. Cider is not apples, right? He was very, very particular on this note. And I mentioned, he was talking about how he has a friend who's a cider maker in California or something like that. And she finally got a review that didn't say her cider tasted like apples. And she was so excited, right? And... um so it makes me wonder when we use a term like, you know, tastes grapey, right? And I was kind of a little bit earlier when I was talking about the, the grape tannins and stuff yeah. like that. I was trying to stay away from saying okay. it tasted okay. grapey, right? Uh, so I was a little self-conscious about how I was wording it because of that conversation I had on Thursday. The only thing I, I can say to that is is I totally understand why that would um, why that would be something where somebody who is a cider maker would consider that mm-hmm. i was using it as simply as shorthand right does it actually taste like grapes no they're not like fresh grapes right. it tastes like wine um wine grapes wine grapes that yeah. have been turned yeah. into wine through yeah. the process of fermentation so and and those don't taste like grapes mm-hmm. right so my yeah so my using grapey was was a little bit of uh an overextension of shorthand. So I will try not to use that in the future. But good, good note. Mm-hmm. Good note. And then there's me who makes cider and I like it. Like I, I mentioned how I back sweeten it with juice, right? right. Because I, you like that, the, the, the sort of, apple I like how it has that apple mm-hmm. character to it. It's cidery and apple And, um, well, I think I'm no gen- cider comes from apples. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of an expectation sometimes, especially when we grew up with, you know, non-alcoholic ciders mm-hmm. that were pretty strongly apple So, mm-hmm. We like – we associate apples with cider. Right. We associate that flavor. Well, and the main reason that I always back-sweeten my cider and make a semi-sweet cider is because the home-brewed dry ciders that I've had, generally I don't care for. Mm-hmm. There's been a few really good ones, really well-done ones, but they've been far and few between. Most of the dry ciders that I taste from homebrewers kind of taste chalky. They don't have too much depth of character to them, things like that, where – when I've had, you know, when I first tasted someone's back sweetened cider, it was apple So it was very good. So I'm using it as a crutch, right? I'm using it as an easy way to make cider that I enjoy much more. So this guy you were talking to, mm-hmm. you've had his cider. Yeah. Does it taste like apples? No, I wouldn't say, you know, I, 
I wouldn't necessarily, after stopping to think about it and saying, okay, make sure I don't use Appley when I'm describing uh-huh. describing apple cider, right? You know, unless it is really apple And is it? And, you know, until you stop and think about that, you could actually let it slip, right? Yes. You could let apple or grapey slip. Very easy. Because you might not realize what you're saying might isn't really could not be accurate. You know, could not be accurate, right? Because you could taste the cider, taste an apple. It tastes and, like cider, and you associate yeah. cider with apples. Right. So it didn't taste like apples. Did it taste chalky? Did it have those things that you do- dislike? No, he his dry cider was was nice. It, it was as good as some of the best home brewed dry ciders. So right? what kind of flavors are you getting out of that? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm really you know ready to remember okay, and, and talk okay. about exactly what that was. Um, we could certainly you know work on getting. You know, there's a few ciders in the area now. We could certainly work on putting a cider show together. We've already done one, but yeah, I'd like to do another one, sure. Yeah, we could do Arsenal, Rebellion, McKenzie's, and maybe a few others. Um, but anyway, uh, oh, where was I? I just had one other thing I wanted to tie in real quickly. I don't remember what it you was. You need to have a piece of paper like I do. Yeah, I used to. I lost a notepad somewhere. <laughs> Kids took it. Uh, I just, I don't want to spend all that time. You know, pay for all the juice, make the cider, make something I'm not happy with. And I know I'll be happy with yeah, a back yeah, one, yeah, right? No, so, I totally understand that. So it, that's why I do it. Yeah, but if you're going to make something for you, you want to make it like you like. It's it's, it's like there, there's a there's a perfect way to make um, – let me go to a food, for example. There's a perfect way to make a carbonara, right? But maybe you like a carbonara that's a little, like, it's a little more cheesy or a little more uh, – a little more bacony, mm-hmm. or even you, you like the pasta not quite as al dente as as it should be. Mm-hmm. Do what you like for you, right? Yeah, uh, and that's what I do, right? So this dude obviously won't like my homemade cider, right? I don't care, <laughs> you know. I'm not going to risk making something that won't be something as you know. I know it's going to be easy. I know it's going to be good. So. That's what I do. Our next beer comes from a. It comes from Saver 2012, but actually they are re, the brewers who did this, Sierra Nevada and Boulevard, are making it again. This is Terra Incognita. It uh, is okay. <laughs> it's a blend. It's one of those souvenir beers they gave yeah. away. Uh, aged in Templeton rye barrels, aged in a 20,000-garrel food, uh, dry hopped with East Kent Golding. So the blend is 45% aged in the food, 30% Templeton aged, and 25% fresh dry hopped. You keep saying food. Is it Fodor? Fodor. Okay. Yeah. F-O-U-D-R-E. Uh, and then just prior to bottling... They add wild yeast. They add a brebaniases, and then they allow the age the beer to age for three months. So essentially, it is carbonated with bread. Uh, that's what it seems to be implying, or at least carbonated with bread and the rest of the yeast that still exists in the beer. The color is very, very dark. Eight point five percent alcohol by volume. Uh, 38.5 IBUs, original gravity of 16.9 degrees Play-Doh. Yeah, this is one of the souvenir bottles we brought back. Hmm. It almost smells like it's corked. 
I mean, like it is cork. No, no. When I say cork, the the cork fungal infection that wines oh. and beers can get. Oh. Cork smells okay. It's so it's, it's bread. I think I think it's the yeah. bread coming through. Okay. So yeah, I mean they they add the Brett right before bottling. So okay. So this is the one that I've had in the fridge. I'm not sure how long it's been in the fridge for. Well, at least a year, or at least yeah, a at a least half. a year. There's actually one in the cellar too. Yeah, that's the last we got. Of course, because there's two, right? And there's two of us. Right. Wink, wink. wink. Nudge, nudge. But again, I mean, you should be able to find this. Uh, the new one. The new one. Right. So, you know, vintages and whatnot. You'll you'll get the same intention. Yeah. You just might not get the same beer. You could age it for a few years. All right. So there's a lot of aromas going on there. Let me try to dig into them a little more as I'm getting more accustomed to it. Like I said, the first sniff, it must have been smelling something bretty. It, um, Like I said, it almost smelled like it was corked. And we've, I've talked about that before. Um it's it's a it's a wine term um where sometimes wines will pick up a flavor from the cork or there's like a mm-hmm. fungus growing in the cork or something like that. So, so there's a there's So a, what is that Brett smell? I mean, you know, the Brett's have... kind of weird, right? It, it's almost a bit um there's a bit of mold. It's, it's a bit moldy. It shouldn't surprise you. It's a fungus. Well, right, but but it's almost like um, dank. Yeah, dank, moldy. Like there's a bit of. A, I'm trying to think of like what like mold on like what kind like of a cheese cellar, in particular. like a like a a wet cellar that you find or something. I mean, yeah, there's a bit of that. that I, was, I was thinking more of like a cheese mold or something like that. It, it doesn't smell like a wet cellar to me, but I was just trying to give you know. Oh. It, it smells. It smells a little bit like, uh, to me, a little bit like kind of fresh dirt. Hmm. See, I wouldn't get dirt. I would say there's two main things I'm smelling. I'm smelling um, this cheese mold of some sort that I'm having trouble pinning down. And then there's something floral coming out of it, actually. A little... um, yeah, like I think that's where the rosy or that dirt is 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 to me. It, it it's actually more of a floral. It's not gross. Mm-hmm. It, it's actually it's it's a very sort of fresh aroma of you know fresh dirt is probably the wrong. So maybe soil, fresh soil. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe cherry blossom. Maybe that's what I'm, I think cherry blossom because there's a there's a bit of a fruitiness coming off of it, probably from like a. a, a Maybe, yeah, you're not, maybe maybe there's a bit of a Flanders it's component. It's not that far off. Yeah, no, I I think you're I I think you're hitting something there with, with that cherry blossom. Yeah, I think the cherry blossom might be coming if if there's a Flanders part blended in, right? You know, it's kind of some of that sweetness that you get off of that. Um, there's also so Templeton Rye is that a rye whiskey? Yeah, I believe so. I don't know much about it. The other smell I'm getting, and I forgot this was in a rye whiskey barrel. This might explain it. I'm getting something a little bit sappy or resiny, almost, uh, or sawdusty. Something a little bit woody yes, in the aroma as well. So I was just going to say before Greg asked that question, so like I was, I was coming at it trying to define the thought a little bit more clearly. I was, I was at sawdust or sawmill, 
and then I think it needs to go a little bit more sappy resiny, but mm-hmm. it's somewhere in that area. It's a very interesting aroma, right? I mean, it, it it sort of it kind of doubles down a little bit on the woody from the last one, but mm-hmm. without having some of those sharper parts of the wood. And then the Brett gives it somewhere in the in that very vaguely leathery, and then also something fruity, and those. EKGs, the East Kent Goldings, tend to not be huge on the aroma. Mm-hmm. We just got a tweet from our friend Jason, who uh, said, uh, I just wanted to say thanks for inspiring him to use any flavor or food terms that come to mind when describing beer. So, mission complete. Why are you sticking with food terms, Jason? That's what I want to know. <laughs> come on, don't limit yourself to food terms. Think outside the box a little bit. All right, time to go into the flavor on this guy. Big cherry flavor. You know, it was like a... At first, it almost seemed like a cherry soda or something like that. But then as I flavor developed on my palate, I would, I would walk back from that statement a little bit. And... Um, I don't know, where would I take it? Tart Michigan cherries, it's that kind of cherry flavor. Um, if I was drinking this blind, I think I would say it was a cherry beer or a cherry stout. It's it's that it's, it's that it's much pretty, like tart Michigan cherries, you know? It is pretty pretty deep. Um, the the I, cherry I, goes goes a long way, but but not it, it's weird because it's not a sweet cherry at all. It's not like a maraschino or anything. No, like that. tart Michigan, yeah. right? I mean, like if I was drinking this blindfolded, I would think that Bell's did something interesting with their cherry ale, <laughs> right? You know, because there's more, there's, there's a little more complex there than what just the straight up cherry ale. But I mean, it is it is straight up tart Michigan cherries. There's definitely, um, yeah. There, there's a there's a bitterness and a, a little. A little more of that leathery note that that is indicative of Brett. Mm-hmm. This had some time to sit. I don't remember what it was like the last time we had it. I don't remember it being like this. Yeah, I. Oh, we'll have to go back. I have to go back and listen to the review. I would have thought that I, it was a little more funky, a little more bready. Mm. Um, I don't know. Second sip was uh. Let me take a third sip. The woodiness. Now that I'm getting used to how cherry, how much of the cherry flavor is, the woodiness is coming through a little bit. It's uh, oh, it's not. Interesting. It does have a little bit of that that dusty sawmill type feel for me. It's a good barrel. Uh, flavors out of the beers tonight yeah it's it, I, i've said in the past it, it, the wood flavor i understand why brewers use it mm-hmm. it's available it's uh it's interesting it's complex it, it's, it's been used in drinks for forever mm-hmm. so why wouldn't they it's something that i'm still not 100 percent on I, I think that i've had it used 
mm-hmm. brilliantly, and and it works well with certain characteristics. I f- I feel like it's a it's a little bit much here. Okay. For me, right? It's a little bit much for me. But if you really like that woody flavor, then I think you'll you'll enjoy this one a lot. I like the that cherry that mm-hmm. kind of fades into a little bit of a kiwi. Uh, okay. As 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 it sits in your mouth. As Jeff was describing, I I sort of gave him a little signal, like keep yeah, talking, because I was, I was just trying to swirl around and see if I could pick out any other def- definitions there. <coughs> there, I was trying to sw- mm. swish it around, and I let it go back a little too far, and caused me to cough. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm. It's it's interesting. I mean, it's really interesting. It's not what you. would it's not necessarily what you'd expect for bread beer. Yeah. It's not necessarily what you'd expect for a barrel beer. You know, it's... Uh, it's um, it's it's kind of, like you said, sort of vaguely Flanders-like mm-hmm. with with some extra woody and slightly leathery characteristics. It, it's, it's an interesting flavor. It's an interesting beer. It's not a good drinker, right? It's, it's, it's a sipper, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's something to... You know that you want to explore, um, as opposed to either you want to down it because it's great and a super drinker, or you want to savor the flavor. It's neither of those really. It's more of an exploration of of different flavors and see what you can find in there. It's you're you're spelunking into the spear. So, have an adventure is really the way you know yeah. you should think of this beer. This is this is something where it's like this is not this is very likely not going to be your favorite beer ever, but it is going to be something different that you don't get, <coughs> and you can, you know, hey, if you can taste rare, explore. Yeah, this is one of them. <laughs> if you can taste rare, all right. So let's go into this puppy next. This one. I believe, you can double check this for me, but I believe this won, like, a gold medal at the GABF this year. All right, let me take a look. Barrel-aged or sour or something like that. This is Blue Sunday Sour from New Holland Brewing Company. Um, Silver medal, maybe, they won, if I remember right. Let me take a look. This is the 2014 Vintage. Uh, silver medal in 2011, I think. That's what it says. I know, I know it also won when we were just out there this year, too, but I can't remember which category, whether it was wild or barrel or what. Because so I went back to their booth and they were all very, very happy. <laughs> Well, let me tell you about the Blue Sunday. New Holland Brewing. It's 7% alcohol by volume, 18 degrees plate, 18 IBUs. It's a blend of several beers. That's what they say under hops. So hops and grains blended several beers. They're not telling you, mm-hmm. you know, what the hops do. The, the yeast is in American ale and bacterial cultures. 
so yeah all right so the beer pours a uh, reddish brown very clear when you hold it to light and can see through it it's it's very clear but it's a little too dark to see your fingerprints through it without much light assistance uh has a nice red tint to it the head dissipated rather quickly just a little ring around the edge of the glass island in the middle of the uh glass the aroma the aroma is you can tell it's it's a sour beer but it's not like straight up sour there's probably now it's an american sour it is probably not adherent to any style in particular there's some of the flanders character on the aroma it's a little bit more malty and more sweety or more more sweet more sweetie, <laughs> more, sweetie more sweet uh one of the interesting things i got in the nose was uh, a bit of a, a lacto uh limburger cheese type type aroma you know it was what like kind of behind the sweet sweetness i was getting something that was reminded me very much of a limburger cheese or something like that let me go back to what we were talking about before the medals um at the 2013 gabf new holland won two medals neither for were for this beer oh really? uh they won category 14 experimental beer dragon's milk reserve won a silver and they also won in eighty in category eighty three the old or strong ale for Pilgrim's Dole. They won gold. Ooh, okay. All right. Well, I was confused. I went to congratulate him for those, and I ended up drinking a lot of this. <laughs> <laughs> they're pouring this. They're pouring Encourageable. Encourageable was the one that we got it. I got oh, a yeah. Giant Eagle for like seven bucks a bottle. This one wasn't seven bucks a bottle. Yeah. And Heather's like, they got Blue Sunday. I'm like, what's the price? I think this one was priced at like 10 or 11 bucks. You actually, uh, in something slightly related, um, you tweeted about the growler price. Oh, that's insane. Eagle. Yeah, so the Giant Eagle, it's a restaurant here that's you know getting into selling beer here. Supermarket Pets. here. Oh, I said restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> Supermarket. Forgive me. Um, I was... I just that was that part was on autopilot. I was waiting. I was really thinking about the point that I wanted to make. Uh, you know, the laws are still messed up here in Pennsylvania, but supermarkets do sell beer because they have a cafe which has a tavern license. Right. And um, Giant Eagle in Cranberry, up until just recently, was takeout bottles. Well, not just takeout because of Pennsylvania laws, they have to let you drink on premise, even though they don't really want you to. That um, they have to. Uh, so it was mostly take up bottle sales. Well, they got six drafts in and they're, you know, for growl, mostly for growlers. Um, and they had some ridiculous prices. Uh, the beer of the month this month is, um, Rebel IPA from Save Adams. You can get a 64 ounce half gallon growler for six ninety nine. It's crazy. And if you don't have a growler, they'll fill any growler. If you don't have a growler, it's only three bucks for the growler. So those are cost also, uh, um, but, you know, okay, so maybe Sam Adams gave him a great deal on the keg. They're promoting the hell out of Rebel IPA right now. Uh, Trogues, Troganator Doppelbach. Great beer. I think... Who 949. Was it, who was it who said it was the best, uh, the best bang for your buck if you're looking to get drunk? <laughs> and you want a great beer. Well, not even a great beer. That was, that was an old story about um, this guy at Three Sons, Dogs, and Sons. <laughs> he found that his best bang for his buck was the Troganator. But... Mm-hmm. He would be loving the. Uh, <laughs> I the think Trogner Doppelbach is a great Doppelbach. It is. I really do. Uh, and it's well, true. No, It'll get you drunk really quickly. 
So all the medals they've won are, are in Bach beer, not Doppelbach. Mm-hmm. They don't enter it in the Doppelbach oh, category. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. So, but anyway, it's great. Nine forty nine for a half gallon of Troganator. I'll do this real quick, real quick. Okay, do it. Uh, craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon to help to support us. Do all your shopping there. That's it. Craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. All right. Back to the beer. Yeah, so uh, check out your local Giant Eagle if you're in Pennsylvania here. And uh, look at their ridiculous, ridiculous prices. And the other most interesting thing was we went back. They had some uh, Arsenal cider on. And it said no growler fills. They would only do glasses. Hmm. And last time I talked to anyone involved with this whole thing, they were doing everything they could to discourage on-premise drinking. I think and now they, they have something. Probably, they've probably warmed up to that more because they've probably found like the one, the, the giant eagle that that I like to go to the market district in Robinson mm-hmm. is. They have a beautiful cafe area, full you know, yeah. a whole area devoted to this kind of stuff, and and. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of people who will sit there and have a have a glass. It, it it's very much got kind of a tavern like atmosphere. Yeah. It just seems like the one in Cranberry doesn't really have that atmosphere at all, right? right? I can't imagine they're going to sell much cider on now, premise. You went to the Cranberry one, not the Market District. That's over. Did you go to the Market District? No, no, the one in right here in Cranberry. Right in Cranberry. Yeah. yeah. So I can't imagine there's very much on premise cider drinking happening yeah. and they won't fill it with growler it, it was kind of curious you but. should check out the whole foods because they have a lot of growler stuff too yeah, and so yeah I've, I've i've been yeah. to the whole foods i've got growlers filled there before and uh the uh the most curious thing about giant eagle is that the people that they put at the beer counter or in charge of beer they still put the people who don't know anything about beer because they think if the person likes beer they'll abuse the system so they put people that don't drink in charge of the beer stuff. Hmm. It seems like they're still doing that. It's absurd. They probably just don't want to get in trouble right now. It's absurd. It is. How do you absurd. have good customer service when the person? Because Heather asked the guy about a question about you know the growlers or something. Yeah. He's like, oh, I don't know. Awesome. All right, Blue Sunday Sour from New Holland Brewing Company in Holland, Michigan. We're still just sniffing it. I can't smell the cheese anymore. And I'm not saying I'm disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting way to put it. He's not saying he's disappointed. (laughs) But he's saying he's not saying he's disappointed. So you can read into that what you will. I think it's time to go. It's the same things we're talking about before. It seems like it's in the Flanders family. It doesn't smell overly sour. It's a blend, so it's... Yeah. When you have a blend, sometimes it's hard to get real definitions out of the aroma, particularly. Now, I said the aroma wasn't that sour. It's a pretty tart, tangy beer. Makes you pucker. Mm. Let's see, take another sip here, because the first one was really just an acclimation sip. Definitely. Ooh, okay. Yeah. That that finer sour is different than than you can really pick out of fruits, right? I mm-hmm. mean, you, you can try. So it's sort of raspberry with a little bit of cherry, but that's you're, you're still off. There's a fair amount of cocoa in there. 
It's mm-hmm. almost like a, a bonbon or something, like with a cherry syrup and a cocoa, you know, chocolate-covered cherry. You know, I'm actually getting a lot of flavors that are reminiscent of that. Yeah, I'm still trying to, to pick out a a fruit that is really close to it. And it, I get fruits that are flavor-adjacent, mm-hmm. but I don't get fruits that are, right. you know, that, that nail it or even really super close. You know, I can pick out a little bit of raspberry here. I can pick out a little bit of rhubarb. I can pick out a little bit of... You know, other right. You know, well, here tie tie this in a little bit. A little bit of those grape tannins that we were getting mm-hmm. in, in some of the in the red thunder, right? Sure. Really, I'm not tasting that on their own, but tie it in with raspberries and grape tannin. You know, think like when I put that thought together, it makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, but there's also a little bit of just you know a sort of a pure acetic, almost mm-hmm. uh, uh, almost a red wine vinegar. Yeah thing but not but you know certainly not that that either that bright or that sour mm-hmm. but there's something in there that's vaguely related to it it, it you know more actually more of a balsamic than, than a red wine more of a fake balsamic right the, the balsamic you there's get, that so which is a sort of caramel added to it, one of the things i've been trying recently and i've been meaning to bring this up and i think it's worthy for the main show because it does involve you know a fermented product is there's the there's the um home remedy for acid reflux heartburn drinking apple cider vinegar i'm not sure if you've heard this or not there's not been i wouldn't say there's any great research to say that it works right i i i tried it out just so you drink an acid to help an acid problem that's what the scientists would say yes (laughs) but but (laughs) something how it, it it helps it I don't know the, the theory. I'm not saying I buy into the theory. Right. That's not the reason I brought up this whole thing. I'm not saying drink apple cider vinegar to make your heartburn go away, but the theory is to the, the put this kind of acid in your stomach. It helps reduce the gastric acid production or something like along those lines. Is is the 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 unproven theory? I didn't want to get into the theory, but what I did want to get into is I've been I've really taken to the flavor. I take about a tablespoon of the good apple cider vinegar, the one with the organic, the one with the mother in it. You know, it, it actually has a lot more flavor than like the straight distilled stuff. And uh, put that in soda water and you can drink it like that. Like today I added a little bit of honey to it. And it's, it's a drink that I, I actually really enjoy because it's, it's kind of a tart, tangy drink. It's almost like drinking, you know, sour beer a little bit. The only thing I'm worried about is that I'm, overloading my taste buds with acetic acid, right? And I'm going to like either discalibrate my my beer tasting calibration or something by drinking all this acetic acid. This is like, this is pure conjecture on my part, but perhaps the theory goes something a little bit like this. Acid reflux, your body produces an over over amount of, of acid thinks it needs it. There are actually taste buds in your stomach and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You don't taste them like you do on your tongue. Mm-hmm. You don't notice a taste, but your body does. Right. Perhaps by ingesting an easier acid for your body to handle, your taste buds and whatever's in there, whatever sensory organs in there that say, okay, I need more acid, are satiated mm-hmm. and stop producing the kind of stomach acid. Right. Uh, if for anyone, I, I really don't want to rabbit hole. I just want to talk mm-hmm. about drinking apple cider vinegar with soda water it's a pretty good drink especially if, if you have a palate for sour beers give it a try you might enjoy it um i don't have any definitive results whether it has lessened my heartburn or not um 
maybe, but and, not well, not. I mean, even, even if you did, really that's effective. a sample size of one. And yeah, that's not really it, it hasn't proven to be effective enough to say, "Hey, yes, this works." Mm-hmm. So, but it's still yeah. a good drink. I would say stick with the Alka Seltzer at this point. Some people, you know. Some people claim it works and they hate the flavor of it, you know, so they do all kinds of ridiculous stuff to get it down. Meanwhile, like, I'm like, this is good. I'm drinking it even if it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You've heard of drinking vinegars, haven't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like that, right? Except these aren't flavored with sugar and fruits, right? This is just apple cider vinegar. You know, you can get a taste for something and and down. I mean, look at the people. There's that, there's that, was it Pika? That disease, it's called disease where people eat clay. Oh, I don't know about yeah, that one. they get a, they, it's weird. Okay. So the beer. I'm getting a. It's actually, it's, it. It's sort of like the aroma. the The blend is is making it hard to define, but it's it, mm-hmm. but it is making it very interesting. There's a lot of layers to kind mm-hmm. of sift through. Yeah, I'm getting a really nice cocoa chocolate type mid really? to late finish, and it it like it's not just like one little fleeting thing. Like every sip, it comes back and, and reminds me that it's there. And I think that plays with the raspberries really well, right? The you know the whole. Tart fruit and chocolate goes well together, and I'm get you know, so I like that kind of little play that I'm getting. Cocoa, huh? Not finding it, huh? Here, why don't you take the last sip out of my glass, see if it tastes any different. does taste a little different. It does. Yeah, yours is a little more straight acid. Yeah. Mine has a little more of the cocoa maltiness to it. Interesting with that. Drinking different beers again. <laughs> this whole damn bottle stratification problem. Hmm. That, yeah, yours has more cocoa. Clearly. There's de- there's definitely cocoa mm-hmm. in yours. Um, mine is, yeah, it's, it's more... Acidic, kind of straight through. Yours is more reminiscent of the apple cider vinegar mm-hmm. and soda water drink. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what yours is it's more. Still very good. But wow, that, that's uh, one of those weird things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because again, we don't pour that much. Yeah, I mean the bottle is so it's twenty two ounce bottle, right? And we poured. Maybe two maybe it, right? maybe nine ounces. So we probably have about four ounces each. And uh, yeah, Greg's four ounces is distinctly different than my four ounces. Mm-hmm. <sighs> the perils of craft beer radio. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder how often that happens for people who just do it individually, who will you know pour a little bit. Never know. And <laughs> or, or or they you know. The beer obviously evolves for them, mm-hmm. but they don't have the they same... They think it's their palate, not yeah. the beer. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I guess the moral of that story is to get a 25-ounce glass and just fill the whole glass at once, right? All right, so this last beer is one you brought over. Mm-hmm. I guess you got this uh, in Ohio or something? No, this no? is a, this is, this was a Christmas present. Okay. From, uh, from a friend. 
This is Terramin's Ode Hughes Lambicus. This is from England, I believe. So the world's no, oldest Belgium. No. Yeah. It's from Belgium. Um the world's oldest Lambic brewery, they say right on the yeah. label. So this is an out who's which is they have a lot of different Lambics. He actually uh he gave me this one and he was giving other Lambics to other people. Or he gave me no he gave me other ones. He gave me uh the the creek. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I'd probably like the Who's more than the other people that you're giving to would like the Greek. So I uh-huh. said, you know, this is going to taste much more like plain old, um, to them, plain old mm-hmm. vinegar mm-hmm. than, you know, than a Creek would or, or a Pesh or, or a Frambois or something like that. So I said, well, give me the, the Who's because I think that I, I'll, you know, I'll be the one who will probably appreciate the Who's the most. This beer was bottled almost a year ago. It was produced on uh, April 17th, 2013. And I wanted to save it for the show. Brewed and bottled for Anthony Martin by Timmerman's Brewery. Who's Anthony Martin? Anthony Martin is, uh, I guess it's the distributor? The importer? Yeah, or something like that. Oh, no, it's imported by Bellicus Marketing Incorporated, College Station, Texas. Maybe Anthony Mark Norton's the owner or something. Anyway, beer pours a golden color, moderately cloudy, but I can still see my fingerprints through the glass. Uh, almost no head, just a slight ring around the outside. The aroma, first sniff I smell is car- carbonic, right? I mean, I, I'm not sure how carbonated this is, but I just my nose up, took a sniff, and it just smelled like a very highly carbonated beer, and I got a whole bunch of zing up on my nose from the carbonic acid. Is it carbonic acid when it comes out in gas, or is it just CO2 at that point? I guess it's just CO2. I guess mm. it's like carbonic acid when set in, dissolved in a liquid, huh? Now, they recommend a temperature of 6 to 8 degrees, which is in Celsius. Mine is 59 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 15 degrees Celsius. Oh, too so. hot. <laughs> Good thing we got the little uh, button on there. Yeah, mine's a 14.8C, 57.5F. And let's turn off the laser, because who knows what kind of riboflavins that'll uh, <laughs> agitate and skunk, huh? I guess it, that... There's a little, a little bit of a rubbery aroma. Do you get that? Okay, so now when I smell it, the, that big blast of CO2 is is gone. And let's see, what sort of I smell? It, it doesn't smell super sour right off the top. I got a wheaty um, aroma. Yeah, yours smells different than mine. Uh, my second less sniff smelled like what I got in your no, glass. No, right yeah, now. okay. Yours is a little colder than mine is really the issue. Yeah. Okay, so let's see. It's a golden color. This is the the by far the lightest beer of the night, and it's a freckle beer. You can see through it. Five point five percent alcohol volume, or as they put on their Belgian page, five comma five percent. Nice, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Un-American. How absurd! It's un-American. How bizarre! All right, so. 
smelling this beer. I'm trying to get some more just adjectives on the aroma. They say fermentation spontaneous. So they don't even nice. know. No. <laughs> I mean, they, that's what Atlantic probably a good idea, does, but my yeah. friend. Yeah. This is the world's oldest Timmermans. All right. I think I'm going to have to go into the flavor here. I'm not getting much beyond where I said where it's kind of, you know, there's a little bit of tang in the aroma. Smells a bit wheaty, almost a lemongrass type thing. That's so I, Yeah, that's kind of it. Not getting much in the aroma beyond that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's tangy. There's the, the very beginning when the, the, the juice is just sitting on the front of your tongue, it does it's reminiscent of pineapple juice. Lemon too. But then it you know, as you drink it, it doesn't it doesn't maintain that saturated sweetness that pineapple juice has, right? It uh it probably turns a little more lemony at that point. That's a really, really sharp lemon. That's a good tang to it, though. Yeah. It's a, and then in the late aftertaste, it has a kind of a citric acid type thing. I want to say it's kind of like a pixie stick or a sweet tart, but that kind of leads it towards Flanders, right? And it's not. Yeah, no, it's not. I, I, I think so, it's, it's a lot more reminiscent of just if you were to suck on a lemon, you'd get something pretty similar to this. And and I, I like that a lot because. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, uh, other houses I've had it tended more towards pure vinegar, and this tends to a little bit more of a sweeter thing with with you know still still sweet, like you said, not not quite pixie stick, but sweet mm-hmm. like a lemon, like like you know, there's still a lot of fruity character coming through still, but the the, the dominant thing is the tartness, and there's a lot of acetic acid mm-hmm. in here clearly, not acetic. I wouldn't say acetic. I would oh, citric. Would you say say? more citric, yeah. But I think it's 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 acetic acid, but it tastes like citric. Yeah. Well, again, we should really talk about what we're tasting, not... I just want to get, you know... It, well, no, I wouldn't say it's acetic. I would say it's more lactic acid, right? Because it, it's not acetobacter yeah, so yeah, much okay. that's doing this one. Probably, probably not. I mean, there, it's might be, it's spontaneous, right? There's, yeah. there's a bunch of things going on. But it doesn't have that acetobacter type, type character so much. It's more of a citric slash lactic type. Type character, I would say. Yes, this this that's true. But it's unlikely to be citric acid because of the bugs that are making. Yeah, it. yeah. I mean, it comes across like citric because mm-hmm. of other things. But yeah, I, as far as I'm aware, uh, there's no um, little bugs in there that actually make, make citric, citric acid. acid. Yeah. But it definitely has a citric character, like you said, lemon, right? Yeah, it's a it's a big lemon. Um, there's something else going on. It's not. See, I would, I, I, I don't. I'm not happy with saying lemon. There's a little. I want to call it something on, else. On on the periphery, there, there's a little like there's a little passion fruit, right? There's a little mango or something like that. There's a, there's a little vaguely tropical sure, okay. bits. Yeah, maybe a bit tropical. Maybe you do need to tie in a little bit of aceto, acetic acid, right? A little bit of apple cider vinegar or something. Mm-hmm. Just a touch. Not not a lot. Mm-hmm. Not so much that that's the kind of sting you get. Right. But just enough to give it a little bit of, of more fruity nuance, like a yeah. more orchardy nuance or something like that. But um, it's really, really quite good. It's, uh, you know, if you're into a really sour beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, this is 
Very good Who's. I mean, I, I, I recall the Cantillon Who's is not nearly as good. It's been so long since I've had it, I, I can't compare. I mean, I we haven't had that thing in six years. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the last time I had it may have been, it was either in the show or it was in Japan. That's how long ago it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I remember it being a lot more like a straight vinegar. But then again, my palate had an adaptive. I, I think a lot of that is probably palate is what you remember versus what your palate was used to at the time. I think it was probably better than calling it a vinegar beer. Um, but it's been so long. But if someone were to taste it without, without, without experience, if someone were to taste this, yeah. that's kind of what they would say, most likely. Yeah, I mean, if you're not used to it, if you don't have a guide... You know, explaining it to you. You know, I've told this story on the sh- on the show before, so I don't want to go into so much. But when I worked for NetApp, right, I'd do a lot of traveling, and we'd always go to beer joints, and I would kind of guide people, and I would always try to work in a sour, sour beer yeah. towards the end of the night. And you know, this is kind of counter to what a lot of people may think, or at least they did, you know, years ago, where you know, a lot of people aren't going to like sour beers because they're sour, they're out there, they're kind of gonzo, they're not what you're used to. But if I've, I've found with my experience, if you take people that have never had sour beers, but, you know, like adult flavors and guide them to what they're going to be tasting, you'd be surprised how many people like sour beers. And it's not that far off the beaten path because you think of something like 7-Up, for example, which is – it could be a sour mix if it didn't have so mm-hmm. much sugar in it, yeah. right? Uh, in a, these lemon and lime sodas and like i i remember having um just recently a soda that was a um uh i think it was a jones soda that you know it's a red red a, a red strawberry and lime soda that still kept a lot of the sourness mm-hmm. in there it didn't overwhelm it with sugar awesome awesome uh soda so i think that's really appealing to people the, the, these sour flavors um, might be a little strong in the, in, mm-hmm. in this case, in, you know, right off the bat. Right, but I mean, most lambic breweries it, it'll be, it'll work. don't produce their use or the use to as their their flagship or to mm-hmm. be drank by more than the crazies. Right. Yeah. I mean, traditionally, the lambics that are for production are fruited to make them more palatable. Right, and it really can run the gamut at that point, right? It can be Lindemann's Alcopop, or it can be, you know, like a Leafsman's Creek or something like that, where it's not nearly as sweet and fruity, but it still has fruit to cut the, you know, the sourness of these spontaneously fermented beers. What do you think, Mr. Weiss? I dig it. I really dig it. I do. I'm glad you brought it. That's a quite tasty lambic. And I guess it's time to do some ranking. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a tough show to rank. All right. So let's see. We got the four beers. <laughs> huh. They were all, are all good beers. They were. I think that I will... If I, you know, I'm going to try to start from the bottom here and build, to build suspense. Ooh. Um, and I think I'm going to put the Terra Incognita in last place. 
it was a fine beer but it was the the brett and the cherries were the cherries were interesting I, mm-hmm. i'm not sure the cherries were there two years ago the last time we had this beer i'm not sure if the beer age conditioned oxidized whatever to kind of bring those out but I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they were there. I just don't remember that aspect of it. But the 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 cherry part was rather good. The breath didn't seem to fit in so well with it. So I'll put that in fourth place. Still still a decent beer, just not great compared to some of these other ones. I'll put the victory uh, Red Thunder in third place. Um, it was a fascinating drink, something to work through and dig. A lot of those grape cannon flavors. A lot of those the oak flavor was started out like almost overwhelming but then you kind of got acclimated to it um the baltic thunder beer itself didn't really come through as that beer Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. i mean this beer is its own beer and if it didn't have the name red thunder you know it would just be a barrel aged beer from victory and no one would be trying to equate it to baltic thunder and i don't think that anyone would complain about that where you know that leaves room to say hey like where's the baltic thunder at it 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 got engulfed by the the barrel right right so i'm not saying that's a knock on the beer that doesn't that doesn't decrease my ranking at all it's just an observation i made and then in second place I'm going to put the Blue Sunday. I, I really like the Blue Sunday, especially my part of the bottle, which had the little chocolate character to it. It gave it a really quite, nice complexity. Good, yeah. It went from tangy to, you know, like, had that cherry flavor, had the tangy flavor. And maybe, Greg, now that you, that you had tasted mine, when I said it was kind of like a chocolate-covered cherry with the cherry syrup into the chocolate. I understand you see I was more, definitely. And that was a really neat combination. I like that a lot. But, you know, number one, I'm going to have to give the Timmermans goose. Um, it's, it's, it's up there. It's straight up sour, but it's, it's not just sour at all costs. It has a great supporting mm-hmm. cast. It says, we're sour and this is going to be a sour beer. But, you know, if you look into it, you look this, into it, yeah. you'll, you'll find some things that make it really fascinating and make it really worth the drink. Uh, I was originally going to disagree with you on the last two. I, I switched. Because um, I thought about it a little bit more, the Terra Incognita, like I said, they were all good beers. the The problem with the Terra Incognita, as opposed to the other beers, is what we talked about, where it's 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 not the kind of drinkability that you might expect out of a beer. You really have to kind of play with it to find. You have to, like I said, spelunk through. You know, through the cave that is the beer, to to get the most out of it, uh, and, and even then, I don't know whether you're going to be just purely sort of joyously loving the beer. It's complex and interesting and and good, but there is that little bit that just makes it less than less than super drinkable. That if compared to the other ones, which are really uh, a lot more drinkable pushed Terra Incognita to the edge. Red Thunder is my number three. Just like Jeff, uh, you know, I thought it's a very good porter. I like the the aspects of it that, you know, that reminded me of wine uh, and that were there. A little scattershot, you know, compared to the other two mm-hmm. uh, in terms of flavor. So, and, and it probably, it, it probably wouldn't have, all, it wouldn't have been high on our Imperial show last week either i think oh well no 
But I mean, it's not an imperial stout. It's, yeah. It's a barrel aged Baltic porter. Right. And like I said, the the Baltic porter really lost its identity. And yeah. it's just, it's it's a barrel aged dark beer. And that's fine. I'm not saying, no, it's fine. I'm it's not, a- I, I don't want anyone to think that I penalized it because it didn't taste like Baltic porter. I'm just thinking of it as Victory's barrel aged dark beer. And I'm fine with that. My number two is uh, just like Jeff Blue Sunday. Very good. I sort of wish I had Jeff's glass because <laughs> uh, it it was a little bit better, I think, with that chocolate note. Uh, but still, it was it was very good in my glass. And Flanders like re- interesting stuff going on. But man, this lambic is great. This mm-hmm. lambic is really really delicious, and um, and and it fits sort of. It, it just really it really fits in the end of the show. It, it works as both a palate cleanser and a great beer and drinkable for a very sour beer. Mm-hmm. Really, very, very good. Really, you know, top notch. I mean, the nice thing about, you know, these lambics are the saturation of flavor you get for the alcohol, right? I mean, because the beer is 5.5% ABV yeah. and it's so full of flavor, you know, where some of these other beers were 8%. And this one's just as satisfying because the flavor is so intense. Absolutely. That's for sure. So... Is, uh, is that it? I guess that's it. I think that is about it. My friend don't like you. <laughs> I don't like you either. <laughs> Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. You can visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. If you'd like to contact us, you can contact us on Twitter. I am at Jeff Bearer. At CBR Greg. You can email us beer at craftbeerradio.com. We don't pay much attention to Facebook or Google Plus. We are sorry about that. Maybe a little. Han shot first. Definitely. <laughs>